Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. Our second reading for this morning comes to us from the Gospel according to John, chapter 21, verses 1 to 19. Let us listen now to God's holy word. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon, Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to him, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, have you no fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish that the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he, raised, he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John. Do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hand and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. 
After this, he said to him, follow me. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Today marks the beginning of May, which leads to warmer, hopefully, days, brighter days, longer days. Today also marks the beginning of Mental Health Awareness Month. That said, it's fitting that our reading for this morning captures a scene of friends gathering in community and filling one another with hope. Before our meditation for today, though, before I get in too deep, I would just like to say this, that as we reflect on this passage, um, I am going to talk a little bit, just briefly, about suicide. And so if that is something you feel like you need to walk around for or walk out for a moment, that's more than okay. Just letting you know, though, ahead of time. But as we talk about these things today, it is this picture of community that I find so important. A community that fills one another with hope. As we talk about this hope, though, that they instill in one another, I'm not really sure we fully understand the importance of the word hope. Now, okay, I get, I get that that may be a little bit ironic because we have this giant sign in front of our church now that says hope. Okay, so maybe we do then understand hope, what it means. Or maybe we pretend to understand what hope is or the essence of hope is. Perhaps we put a facade on because we don't want others to see that we are hopeless, that we have hopelessness or that we don't want to burden others with our lack of hope. I want to think that we could remedy that as a church, that feeling of not being able to share any sense of hopelessness or desperation, as we discover that the post-resurrection disciples are still very much so in a tender place. And it is the exercise of care and community that gets them through this difficult time. And the appearance of Jesus only serves to testify to that critical fact that we are a community called to be that system of hope and support here and now. When I say that the disciples were in a tender place, I, I really mean they're still in a desperate place. Yes, Jesus appeared to them and reassured them that everything was going to be okay, or at least, you know, assured them that he was still okay. But things are still not looking great in the disciples' world. Jesus making a surprise visit didn't erase the fact that Peter still denied Jesus three times on the night he was arrested. It didn't magically solve the feelings of betrayal and hopelessness and desperation that the other disciples must have felt when they learned of Peter's betrayal, when they learned of Judas's betrayal. And it didn't cause the feelings of the disciples going into survival mode to dissipate. Out of this sense of feeling lost or hopeless, Peter decides to fall back on what he always knew, which was to go fishing. 
And we hear this morning that even Peter couldn't find satisfaction or hope in that. Who knows what was really racing through Peter's mind and the heart of the others who were gathered with him as they saw Jesus and realized it was Jesus on the shoreline? Something must have changed, though, when they knew who it was on the lake shore, telling them to cast their nets on the other side. There's something that sat with me this entire week. It's really given me a lot to think about, to chew on. And that was the Soul Shop workshop that myself and Marianne got to attend, hosted by Yorktown Presbyterian Church, which was designed for church leaders to train them on creating loving and hopeful spaces that are safe and open to talking about mental health issues, to talk about suicide, and raising awareness of these important things. Quite honestly, and I'm sure Marianne could testify to this fact, it was quite shocking to hear that suicide was the 15th leading cause of death in the state of New York. The third cause, leading cause of death, for those aged between the ages of 10 and 24. Second, for ages between 25 and 35. Seventh, for people between the ages of 45 and 54. Besides the statistics being shocking, I think they reveal to us that there are many people, perhaps even here this morning, that are struggling to grasp to hope like Peter and the disciples. And the question is, what are we doing about it? What are we doing to feed the souls of one another, to give hope? That's the question that Dr. David Litz asks, who served as a special advisor to the Surgeon General. And he poses this really, I think, convicting question. He says this, that people often think about suicide for all kinds of reasons, but it basically comes down to two, a loss of hope and a loss of social connection. And if the church of Jesus Christ can't do something about those two things, it might as well close its doors. Let that sink in for a moment. That if we as a church can't do what Jesus did this morning, if we can't meet people's yearning, those who don't have hope or are in desperation, if we can't provide a place of hope, if we can't provide a place of social connection, the church just might as well close its doors. I think there's truth in that. Because if we can't meet those two things, then what is the church all about? Now, I say this as someone who, like any healthy adult, has... uh, has tended to my own mental health. I can say, as someone who has gone through the experiences of, of, you know, self, I don't know what you want to call it, self-discernment, that the church is a place, for me, has been a place of great healing. 
But I can also say that the church has been a place of pain, of great pain, inflicted by people who thought that glib answers, antiquated attitudes towards mental health, and and judgmental attitudes were somehow appropriate responses to those who are in need of hope. I believe that we can do better, that we should be better, and that if we cannot work to address the hopelessness, desperation, anxiety, or social disconnection that people are feeling, what are we doing? That's where Jesus comes into the picture, though. Jesus doesn't wave his hand to make all the disciples' problems go away. He doesn't wave his hand to make the hopelessness vanish. Instead, he he tells them to cast their nets on the other side, to bring in the haul of fish, and to sit and eat. Sometimes that's all it takes, is good food and a good nap to make us feel better though sometimes it takes a little more than that, and that's okay. What we find then next is also interesting. Jesus turning to Peter, who must have been suffering such desperation after having betrayed Jesus. And looking at Peter, Jesus says, do you love me? And if you do, then feed my sheep. We hear Jesus asking this a few times. And Peter begins to feel hurt by this line of questioning and says, of course, Lord, I love you. You know me. To which Jesus then says again, then feed my sheep. I would like us to believe that Jesus is speaking to us as well as Peter in this line of questioning. I imagine that the subtext behind these questions is Jesus asking Peter, do you remember how it felt to have no hope, to be in a place of desperation? Do you remember what it was like then to have a community to fall back on? a place that would give you hope? Do you remember what it was like to join me in a meal and be reminded of your hope-filled life? If you do remember that, (laughs) then go. Go and be that incarnational hope to others as I have been that hope to you. And isn't that a beautiful thing, my friends? Isn't that message beautiful? That Jesus understands everything that is on our heart. The joys, the sorrows, the hopelessness, the desperation, everything in between. And Jesus says, if you remember feeling that way, and you can remember the people in your life who are there to support you, then go and be that for someone else. Today, as we continue on in our Easter season, 
And as we break bread here soon enough, I want us to spend some time today to think about three people in your life who you could talk to if you ever felt the way Peter did or how any of the other disciples might have felt. Three people who you could trust to listen to you, not provide judgment or counsel, people who you know would listen. And if you can't think of three, uh, I'll throw this out there. Feel free to put me down. (laughs) But it gives you a starting place. As we continue this Easter season, we remember the importance of the hopeful power of Easter the empathetic and caring power of Easter, the power of Easter that lies within you and me. To be agents of compassion and hope in a world that is full of people like ourselves who are in need of these things. So let us go and be that hope to live out those capital letters that we have in front of our church today, tomorrow, and always. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.